You're listening to Systems Thinking for Kids, the podcast for teachers and others who want to help kids learn through understanding systems, because everything is connected. On Systems Thinking for Kids, you'll hear conversations about how to illuminate connections for kids in the classroom, the community, and everywhere in the world. Systems Thinking for Kids is a project of the Wildwood Outreach Center at Wildwood School in Los Angeles. This is Systems Thinking for Kids. Your host is Jody Becker. From the first day of the first week of school this year, Dia Rabin has used a systems thinking approach in her fifth grade classroom. This is Dia's first year with her own classroom at Palms Elementary. It's a Title I school in a very diverse Los Angeles neighborhood. She's student taught at Palms, where some of her colleagues have been using a systems approach for a few years. And watching some of her mentors, the systems approach just made so much sense to her. So Dia decided to organize her classroom and curriculum with a systems lens. And that's exactly what she's done, and she says she loves the results. We're going to talk about how she's been experimenting with a range of lessons across subjects and how she's found, in every case, curiosity was sparked, kids responded to the relevance of classroom conversations and activities. In short, lots of learning was happening. Dear Rabin, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation on systems thinking for kids. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. So just to get us started, can you give us a snapshot of the first day of school and how systems thinking shaped that opening day for your students? You know, it's funny because every single classroom I've ever been in always starts off with classroom expectations and what the kids expect, what the teachers expect, and inherently that's systems thinking without, you know, a lot of people don't use the title, but it's what it is. So that's exactly what I did. We went through what the kids expect in their fifth grade classroom, how they expect the year to go, what I expect, and where we met in the middle. And that just sparked exactly what we were going to do throughout the year, which is look at the systems. And then you took it outside of the classroom, first into the hallways of the school, but then literally like on a neighborhood walk. So how did that go? So initially, I mean, after we did the classroom expectations, we started to look at what makes a classroom function. So the smaller systems within just the classroom, the larger systems within the classroom, and then the kids actually for homework took that home and saw, okay, where do I see the same systems that are happening in my classroom at home and then they came back and we talked about it and then after that we took clipboards and did a very scientific approach and they walked (laughs) around the whole campus and started seeing systems that make a school function and then how they saw those same systems in a micro level in our classroom so that compare and contrast and then of course like you said we took that one step further and went on a neighborhood walk and looked at the systems that make a neighborhood function or, you know, not function so well, what could be improved and the various systems that were interconnected to each other and dependent on each other. So were you asking the students to make lists or draw diagrams or write descriptions? How did you ask them to show their work? You know, it's it's funny because it, it was a little bit of all of it. In, in my approach, I really honor the different ways that students think and the different things that they think about. 
So somebody that needs to make a list of all the systems they're noticing, or if they're just looking at the system of transportation, and they need to make a list of all of those elements. Another student can have just as much information, but with pictures. So I really like to give the kids choices because it, has, it helps them advocate for their own learning style. And how did the observation piece of it go? Were you driving that or was it more spontaneous? We walked it. So we started at, at Palms Elementary and we took a route in a large circle to end up back at Palms and stopped at various places and had discussions that were mostly student-led and then made our way back to Palms to have a debrief about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the debrief? What we did is we gave the kids specific systems to look at, and that came from a list of systems that they had come up with. So we asked them, you know, these are the systems that you saw in the classroom. These are the systems you saw in the school. What types of systems do you think occur in a neighborhood just right around us? And they came up with a pretty long list and then whittled it down, kind of combined a couple, and then they were put into groups with a system assignment. So, for example, it could be commerce. It could be, like I said, system of, of transportation. And that was all they were looking for. Because if you look for every system, it's pretty overwhelming. And they're, they were <laughs> at that point where they were like, but there's so many. <laughs> yeah, so talk about that a little bit. How did you help them, like you say, whittle it down or focus? They would say system of a park and system of a store, or they would name a couple stores, which they're 100% correct. There are many systems within each store. However, what's the, what's the umbrella system? It's commerce, it's people buying and the people selling. So just combining those thoughts and helping them, guiding them, scaffolding them to the conclusion of, oh, these are all very similar systems. The system of the grocery store is very similar to a system of a gas station, even though they may seem different. So helping them get to that conclusion, what do these things have in common? Oh, people buy things there. There's someone selling something. That's called commerce. Sounds like a bunch of ahas when you get granular and sort of guide the observation. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful things about systems thinking is you can ask one question and it turns into a 45-minute discussion. And I think that's a, another part of systems thinking where the kids are really pushing the learning. It's, it's very student-led. So it's fifth grade. You've been teaching about the U.S. Constitution. How did you approach that through a systems lens? We took what we had learned from the classroom systems from the school systems, from the neighborhood systems. And I started asking them, what did you see that you could change? What did you see that you didn't love? What did you see that you did love? Kind of giving them ownership of the systems around them and the acknowledgement that they have a personal impact on these systems. And, And it kind of aligned directly with our science unit, which was ecosystems and human impact on ecosystems. So, I mean, I am a big interdisciplinary teacher. So all of, you know, social studies is connected to science, even though it may not seem that way. So they took what they were learning about their role in all these systems, as well as resources 
and whether, you know, the distribution of resources are fair or not fair. So then when we started talking about our unit on the Constitution or the beginning of the United States, they were able to break apart the systems that were occurring, you know, when the U.S. started and then look at the Constitution and see, well, is this fair? Is this not fair? Did I get to play a part in this? Did people that looked like me, acted like me, grew up in an area like me get to play a role in this? That is not a complete system. And so talking about the the lack of interconnectedness that the Constitution system had with the community. And so those are like really concrete examples that are relevant to your students in their lives. Can you talk a little bit about success that you may have had or experiments you may have done with talking about more abstract systems? I was scared that it was going to take a lot of time to get them (laughs) to a place of higher level thinking, of critically thinking about different information, especially information in textbooks. But I think the best part about systems is it's a lens. It's, it's something that you can view everything through. And there's not a right way or a wrong way to do it. Because some people see systems that another person wouldn't. Or I could see systems that they could. And a lot of time they see systems that I don't. So I think a huge success was almost dropping my expectations of what was going to come from a certain conversation. Or dropping what I felt like needed to be said during a conversation and allow the kids to really make it relevant to them. And then, of course, bring what they were saying and elevate it. So honor what they're bringing to the table and then ask questions to get it to that higher level thinking place. And then they're doing it on their own. They're asking each other these questions and, you know, asking each other to critically think about things that they're reading in the textbook. So in connection with the Constitution, when we spoke earlier, you mentioned that having conversations with the students about freedom and control, for example, kind of evolved. So that was something that I I still look back at the poster I put up because I am blown away by the things that these kids were coming up with. So like you said, we're talking about the system of the Constitution and really analyzing, well, who wrote this? Who got to be a part of this conversation that created this integral system to our how we live today? And the idea of, is that fair? Well, it's all about freedom. What do you think are some systems of freedom? Well, what's the opposite of freedom? What do you think are some systems of control? And the lens that they are looking through along with systems is their own personal lived experience. And so being able to look at the Constitution through their eyes of, well, is this allotting freedom or is this a system of control? And, you know, my job as the teacher is to guide the conversation but not put my personal opinion in it. I was just going to ask you about that. How is your experience of that as a practice? Guiding the conversation is as challenging as not putting my own opinion in it because as you ask follow-up questions to the things that the kids are discovering through their own discussion, of course, the class discussion, but through their own questioning of each other, 
I have to make sure that my questions aren't trying to get to a certain conclusion because kids can feel that, oh, there's something expected of me to say. So, you know, I can say, well, do you feel this is a system of freedom or a system of control and kind of backing that up with there's no right answer. Whatever you think is the right answer, you know. I mean, you're having an opportunity to observe your own practice evolving. And I'm curious because you're a recent graduate of an education program. You've been exposed to all the latest thinking about teaching and learning. Does systems fit with the dynamic lesson planning and other things that you were taught? I think systems thinking is exactly what graduate school programs need to be teaching. It's a mix of humanism and constructivism where you're honoring where the students can bring their own thought and letting them lead and then building on the students' prior knowledge, that scaffolding, using their experience of the world, creating relevancy and engagement through those conversations and giving them a lens but not telling them what to use that lens for. Yeah, I mean, I really hear you kind of making a distinction about how systems stacks up both theoretically and also in real life in in the classroom. Absolutely. And I think, you know, in terms of lesson planning, systems thinking almost is a lesson plan. You need material. You need a goal in mind in terms of, okay, we're going to look at, like I said, our science unit was on ecosystems and human impact. That is your goal. That's your standard. And then you're going from there to experience and explore, which are all the steps in a good lesson plan. And of course, there's instruction involved, but the instruction comes from questioning, which is the most powerful form of instruction, in my opinion. And can I ask you, Dia, because I know that your fifth graders were also partnered with first grade buddies. So is there one more example there of how systems figured into those relationships and that partnership? Yeah, so like you said, our buddies are our first graders. And as the education system works, standards build off of each other. But, you know, a lot of the time a fifth grader doesn't remember what they learned in first grade because it was it was so long ago. But with the idea of systems thinking, the kids are able to make connections, not only between content matter, but content matter throughout the grade levels. So we were working with the first graders on gardening, just on planting, because the first grade science standard is plants and understanding plant systems. And the fifth graders, like I said, were working on ecosystems and human impact. So being able to look at the system of gardening, we are planting something, we are creating an ecosystem. Well, how do plants work? And looking at, you know, oxygen production. And when you plant a tree, you're helping the planet. So it was all interconnected. And I did not have to say a single thing because they had this lens (laughs) that they could figure it out with. And they created a system, like you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just looking at the system of being a big buddy, helping your younger counterpart create another system. So they really understand that every single thing is part of a system. And if one group didn't plant 
their plant correctly, that could end up affecting all the plants. So let me just ask you before I let you go, is there anything that you would like to say to a teacher who might be considering getting started trying a systems approach, a door to walk through, a way to kind of launch a lesson or two? I think, you know, start small and have a big idea. I think having a big idea or a lens within the system sphere, and what I mean by that is we did resources. So you're looking at resources in English, in your classroom, in science and history and math, and then taking that and letting the kids develop it. And then taking what they say and elevating it with questions. So in any classroom, you can start off with the systems of a classroom. What do we need to do in this classroom to make sure we are all feeling safe? We are all able to learn. Well, like, for example, we did resources. We need pencils. We need pencils to learn. We need the actual classroom. So it grows. The best part about systems is it, it really produces itself. And it, it seems like a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot less work because you're all growing and learning this, these ideas together. Sounds kind of organic. Thank you so much for these insights, and I hope you'll come back. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and for, you know, teaching more people about systems. It's great to have you. Dear Raven, Palms Elementary School, thanks so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Systems Thinking for Kids. For more ideas and information, find us online at systemsthinkingschools.org. And check out our stories on Instagram at Systems Thinking Schools. Thank you for listening.